This is Eric and Jordan from My Brothers and I. I'm Vince. I'm Boyd. This is Josh from Adverse Effects. This is Zanny, Rebecca, and Katie, and we are The, the Cabin, Cabin Project. Project. This is Travis from The Audio Sequence. I'm Jason Amare, and you're listening to Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX. Sounds of PDX on PRP. You're listening to PRP on 99.1 FM and PRP.FM. It's Tuesday evening. We have a special edition of Sounds of PDX because the Secrecy has a record release tomorrow. The man, the myth, the legend is in studio with us tonight. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Luke. Thank you for having me here. You bet. Me yeah, too. I'm really glad to be here. We're also joined by Gil from Glasses. Gil, hey, thanks for being here, man. Yeah. So good to be here again. It's great to have you all in studio with me tonight. So we're going to be exploring songwriting and, of course, going over uh, Everest. In the second hour, we're going to be playing all nine tracks from The Secret Seas. New release, um, getting some in-depth stories about the songwriting process, and pretty much open from there. Tonight, we're going to uh, start the show with a pick of mine. It's actually my only pick on the playlist my favorite singer-songwriter of all time, uh, and an inspiration to me. This is Miss Ani DeFranco here on PRP. That's Ani DeFranco in studio. That's one of like the most honest records of all time. Reckoning and Reveling, because we're talking about singer-songwriters. I've got The Secret C in studio with us tonight. Um, I want to kick things off with you and meet and kind of talk to you about um, some of the first earlier songs that may have inspired you um, as a songwriter, or maybe even just early, like what's the first couple tracks you really loved? Uh, I would probably say some early Pink Floyd and uh, Yes and Genesis or like the first like major influences and later on I got into like uh, Joni Mitchell mm. so um, it's some sort of like uh, a mixture between all these names you know um, and those first two are kind of like a prog rock yeah, early yeah. Genesis early yes very prog rock right yeah I love that um, uh, the progressive rock thing is like um, I was hooked on it for several years <laughs> you know um when I was uh, in high school, I actually I got to hear all those bands uh, ever since I was like maybe like eight years old because I have uh, an older brother who used to like listen to a lot of these um, bands. So I would like you know I would hear weird music and I'll I'll check like the CD you know on on the shelf and it was be like weird red face and it's like what's this and you're like King Crimson I'm like, what uh, yes. I don't know <laughs> <laughs> you know like it's a band oh <laughs> you know I was like just a kid I had no idea but it's yeah. like, it was weird because like there's no title on on the cover just a face you know stuff like that I was intrigued so I uh, I was like absorbing all this music even without choosing to. Um, uh, it was in my head already. Uh, he was playing these things in the living room. I heard like Heart of the Sunrise by Yes, uh, just because he had a compilation. So I got into prog rock um, really early. And I don't know, it just kind of like got under my skin. Hmm. Any keys driven prog like uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer? I had a short phase of listening to them, but I don't know. Um, I fell out of love with them really quickly. Yeah. Because I don't like that attitude of like showing off all the time. 
They're, they were definitely showmen, but uh, mm-hmm. their songwriting was through the roof. Gilded, I mean, Carnival Number no. 9 is like... So I, I disagree, actually. I mean, I think they were great players, but I don't think they were good songwriters. I no. wouldn't say they're my favorites either, no. but, but I do, I think they're great. Yeah. And, we just lost you know. uh, one of them this year as well. Emerson. Yeah, yeah. Emerson. Emerson. Yeah. yeah, Keith Emerson. A sad story. Yeah. Like another name to the pile. I know. All these greats are going to be forgotten in the, in the masses of forgotten. Um, <laughs> so this next song we're going to be listening to here, we've got the PDX Spotlight playlist, which is brought to us every week by PDX Spotlight, of course. We just got to hang out with you guys a couple weeks ago. We filmed your episode, right? Yeah, yeah that, that was, was so much, much fun. fun. Oh, yeah. my gosh, yeah. <laughs> it's airing in uh, January. So the first song on the playlist, uh, the influence, uh, one of the singer-songwriters that uh, Amit brought in for us was uh, Sofiane Stevens with John Wayne Gacy Jr. Oh, yeah. Dude, what a great track. What does this mean to you? I just, uh, nothing. It just I just think that he's brilliant, you know. I think his songs are so emotional and the melodies are amazing. His voice is just, like, um, soothing me, mm. you know, and... I just love everything about his music. I love the sonic quality of the of the guitar on this recording as well. Mm-hmm, that intimacy thing. Yeah, it's very intimate, which you've got um, oozing all over your record. I can't wait to get to that in the second hour. So uh, one of our first influences brought into us by The Secret Sea. This is John Wayne Gacy Jr. The Sid Barrett here on Portland Radio Project. He's an influence brought in to me by The Secret Sea. Amit is uh, talking to me tonight about songwriting. We also have special guest Gil from Glasses in studio with us. You had a lot of things to share about uh, Sid Barrett, that yeah. troubled, brilliant man. So, uh, yeah, um, I don't know if it's a lot, but uh, I remember I got into him um, when I was maybe like 17. And I-, I knew Pink Floyd for many years, but I had no idea who he was. And... Um, I remember I was at a record store and it was playing in the background and I already knew like the, the guy who was like uh, behind the, the counter, you know, he was like, yeah, like, Hey, what's up? You know, like he, I was there like every day. So I was like, Whoa, what's this? You know? And he tells me like Sid Barrett, you know? And I was like, what? And everything. Anyway, I was blown away by the fact that it was so badly performed, you know? <laughs> and it, it. I loved it, you know? I yeah. was like, oh my God. First of all, the fact that he's playing and his counting is totally off yeah. and he's losing his tempo and he finds it again and then he loses it again. And then all some songs he, he would stop in the middle and then fix the chord and then go on, you know, stuff like that. And it, it, struck, a, it struck a chord in me because I felt like, wow, you don't have to be super professional or an amazing um, guitar player or an amazing anything. You don't even have to be an amazing singer. You don't have to, to be practice a, anymore. You don't have to be, you don't have to be like the, the, um, the, the regular perception of, of, of good in order to be um, uh, innovative, exciting, um, to touch uh, someone else's feelings, you know, to move someone else's um, thoughts and and emotions. Uh, You can be a songwriter even if you're not like 
perfect at everything. Sure. You know, you can have flaws and flaws can be amazing sometimes, you know? And I loved it. I was, he was so flawed that it was just so beautiful, you know? I don't know. It, it really made a, a huge impact on me because I didn't think I, I'm uh, um, a great singer or I didn't think I'm, I was a great anything, you hmm. know? Um, it helped me a lot, you know, to kind of like, well, I can write songs too. I can do this, you know? And this guy's like so flawed, but he's amazing too, you know? It was like, and he's on a record. You're right. You know, yeah. someone actually put this out, you know? And I was so drawn by it. So I bought the record on the spot and I got hooked on it. And I mean, the, the songs are amazing, you know, and it um, also influenced me uh, with like composing songs that um, have weird measures mm. or just like weird chord changes, you know, think outside the box because uh, Sid Barrett's album is full of, of these things, you know. <laughs> All his songs yeah. are like broken and that's amazing. I mean, I, I love it. So yeah, that's definitely an influence. Do you think some of that um, has to do with like the day and age that we grew, grew up in, right? I'm assuming like 80s metal, 80s production was so tight and perfect. That kind of flowed over into the 90s. I don't think we saw like the generation ahead of us had Dylan. You know what I mean? It was the classic. He was like the first non-crooner that came out, singer-songwriter, and people didn't understand why he had a record deal. They <laughs> didn't understand why he was singing that way. You know, he was a he was a poet. So, do you think that had a little bit to play just the the time period we listen to music in? Definitely, I think um, back then um, record companies. I'm I'm gonna borrow uh, some some. Uh, remarks from Frank Zappa because I, I we were just talking about this yeah. a, a while ago. Uh, I think you'll remember, yeah. Uh, so Zappa w once said that uh, back in the day, like the '60s, um, the people who would like um, manage all the record companies, they didn't pretend to know what the people like or want to hear. They were just like fat men with cigars right. sitting behind a desk and like, I don't know what they want to hear and just put it out and we'll see if it sells, you know? Yeah. And he, and he says, and, that's, and it's so true, you know, like he says, we were better off with those guys because now you got all the young people who claim to know what everybody wants to hear. It's like, oh, I'm not going to put this out because I know what the public wants and it's right. not that, you know? So you, you're not taking chances. And while, once you're not taking chances... Nothing that's a bit weird or out of the box will will ever get like his his chance to maybe make a difference, you know. And Sid Barrett, I mean, come on, nobody would have released an album for him now. No, no one. You're absolutely right. And another good example is when lineup changes happen in bands. It, they just record labels don't want to hold on to them these days. But the next artist on our list is Genesis, mm -hmm. and you know Peter Gabriel to Phil Collins like that should have caused a huge rift but the record label at the time really supported them and they had kind of like genesis chapter two you could call it yeah um but yeah i i, I kind of pine for the old days of, of record labels even mm, though they had true. the control people were making money and could make some art so uh here it is next artist here on our playlist tonight hang around we've got the secret sea and glasses until 9 p.m
That is Alliance by Robert Wyatt. That's an influence brought in by Amit from The Secret Sea. He's got a show coming up tomorrow night. It's a record release for the nine-track LP Everest. Um, it is fantastic, by the way. I don't know if I got a chance to tell you that yet. Thank you so much. I love the recordings, and I want to talk to you about uh, some of your recording techniques and maybe guitar choices in the second hour. Okay. Um, but, yeah, talk to me about the importance of, of that last track, Alliance. You said it was done in the 80s? Yeah, that's from uh, Old Rotten Hat. That's an album from the 80s, yeah. It's really uh, cool. It's almost a timeless sound now. It had. Mm-hmm. It's, so, it's so specific, you know? Uh, it's like a time machine. <laughs> <laughs> All good music should be, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I just... Um, he's another example of like thinking outside the box, in my opinion, you know? Because he would um, write melodies uh, where the notes would fall on um, like... Uh, he he wouldn't just like okay so this is maybe a bit m- more like of a theory kind of music theory kind of thing and I don't want to like dwell into it too much because that might be boring for most people but I like it when you got a chord in the background you can hit one of the notes of the chord and it'll sound very stable and regular and like sort of obvious or you can hit like a weird note that's more like somewhere in the m- more marginal note you know from from the rest of the notes of the scale. And that would make it sound kind of like more like a question mark, you know, mm-hmm. like it's a uh, bit of a jazz approach. Exactly, exactly. But not without like the improvisation aspect. Exactly. Yeah. Sound like a question so, mark. That's yeah. the best description of that feeling. Right. So like, he does that a lot. Um, he would write melodies where the notes will fall like on the weirdest places in the chords, you know. And I, I well, I personally. Personally, uh, I like it a lot, you know, and I think it also influenced me when I'm composing. Sometimes I like to do that, too. You know, I'm looking for these like weird sounds, weird colors. So from a songwriting perspective, what advice could you give to early songwriters, whether it be how you take notes or practice or, you know, how, how do you consolidate your ideas when they're forming into a song? Um, well, I can think of a lot of advices probably, but, um, I would choose one, like from the top of my head. Uh, one of the best things that helped me, uh, was to take one chord and try to invent like as many melodies on one chord without changing it. Just as a, as a, as a vocalist. So you just, as a melody, as a melodist, yeah, invent a melody without changing any chords. Just one chord. Like, you know, you know, Tomorrow Never Knows by the Beatles, for example, it's just C major. Hmm. The whole song, so he he goes like na 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 na. It's a, an amazing melody, and it's one chord in the background, you know, and that you know it allows you to be creative when you, you don't need to like get too kind of like uh, I don't know. Don't confuse yourself with chord changes, you know. Just be make a melody, you know. Create a strong melody. It's interesting you say that because we were just recently talking about Pearl Jam during that last music break. And I remember being really upset when I went to some tablature website and I was like, I want to look up this Pearl Jam song and that Pearl Jam song. And I just started rifling through them because they were so easy. And that's what made me so upset. I'm like, the genius of these songs is that these guitar parts, they're not doing much. They're living in in their own space. And that's Mm -hmm. a well-written song. I remember... Uh, Chris Cornell said it once. He said, "If you can play a melody on a bass and it's memorable, that's a that's a hook. That's a riff." And he had he played "Yesterday's" by the Beatles, and that's I mean, it's you could play that melody on any instrument, 
and you know exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, was guitar your first instrument? Um, no, I started with an organ. Oh, <laughs> actually, <laughs> back in like '87 or so, a church oh, organ. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, some, yeah. some old abandoned church you found. Yeah, <laughs> that's cool. Mm-hmm. So, so as far as a, like songwriting structure and and you said looking for the dissonance and the question marks, do you play in a lot of alternate tunings outside of the the standard like Dad Gad or Drop D? Um, not a lot. Uh, I have like right now in my set, there's just two songs that I'm playing on um, an open D tuning, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's like all. That's all that was left from my experiments with open <laughs> tunings. I had a phase um, back when I was like twenty something that I would just learn a lot of uh, Joni Mitchell songs and Nick Drake songs and. Um, when when you do that, you know you gotta do, like you gotta tune your guitar to like a thousand different tunings. <laughs> like each song is something else. So you know I've explored it, but in the end, it's just it's too much of a headache. You know you don't want to be on stage and keep <laughs> tuning your guitar. Like for, I mean, you're doing it anyway. Even when you're in standard tuning, sure. you still need to tune. You know, kind of like fine tune it. It's that's a headache enough for me. Yeah. Don't no. they have these guitars now that automatically kind of tune all the strings? Yeah, they, they have do. all these yeah. stuff. I'm very suspicious of these things. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So we've got uh, Yes next up on the playlist here. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, Wondrous Stories, what album is this track off of? That's their last good album, in my opinion. Uh, it came out in like 76, I think. Mm-hmm. 75 or 76. Uh, it's, uh, it was uh, Going for the One. I think that's right, yeah. Yeah, and... Um, it's definitely not my favorite album, uh, but it's I, I I like it, and this specific song just felt right to me because uh, I wanted a yes song, and most of their songs are so long. <laughs> I appreciate it being a three and three minute. Right, <laughs> I wasn't like oh my, I gotta find something by yes that would that is something that I love, and it's short enough to to be featured here. So. I chose this one. That's a perfect pick. Good. Yeah. Uh, before we listen to that, we had someone on the talk board said, can't wait to see the Secret Sea live tomorrow night. They will be joining us. So uh, more information on that in the, in the second hour. Until then, this is Yes here on Portland Radio Project. Small Fish by Porcupine Tree here on Portland Radio Project. We're talking about songwriting tonight. I've got The Secret Sea and Glasses in studio with us because tomorrow night you have your record release, man. How excited yeah. for you. I am. Oh, thank you. I'm, I'm like so thrilled. Yeah. yeah. And I'm so happy to have Glasses with me because um, like, so Gil, um, we, we already kind of like told the story a few times, but I think it's worth telling it again, you know. Um, we met here and we became like we're collaborating you know with music like so well we work so well together you know that uh, i can't even imagine this album without gil now because his playing is all over it you know thank you yeah no problem got to leave uh, my mark everywhere yeah. Yeah. yeah you can go home now <laughs> that's why i'm here just you know to plug my no it was yeah i'm so happy to be on the album i think it's amazing and you know, we worked with Larry Crane at Jackpot Studios. That was an incredible experience. 
Yeah, and, uh, what was that like? Talk to me about working with Larry. Well, he's just, first of all, he's just a very, very nice guy. And so, you know, the vibe itself is just really comfortable and kind of easygoing. And also, he's just so good at what he does. You know, he just knows exactly what to do, and the sources are just impeccable. It's effortless, you know. Right. You, you record piano, he mics it, he doesn't have to tweak anything, it just sounds perfect. You he know? just knows. Yeah, he he just doesn't knows. make a big deal out of it, he's not like trying to show off or anything, you know. He he's just like, does it, and like, okay, let's hip record, you know. Like, he just, and it's, right, and it sounds yeah. great, you know. <laughs> it's so easy, you know. I was amazing. Well, let's talk about that because I think that's an important thing with songwriting and that itself is collaboration, like with both of you. Um, you know, how do you both feel about the songwriting process with a collaborator versus um, by yourself, both the pros and cons of that? Hmm. Well, we haven't re really written the songs together. So, I mean, I've never really written a song with someone else. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm not quite sure how that works, to be honest, because like it's such a personal process, and like, I mean, I have I used to have a band where you know I'd bring a song and then we'd change some things if they didn't like it, but I've never like written a song with someone. But the arrangement process is usually I love arranging with other people because, uh, and even though Amit sort of had in mind like he knew what he wanted for the songs, but we still like experimented a bit in the studio and. I think came up with some interesting parts that that uh, wouldn't have necessarily been there, like if it wasn't um, this group of people working on it. Yeah. Mm. Well, there's one song, a uh, special one, uh, where you're playing these kind of like spacey kind of notes. Yeah, like that synth sound. Right, and I'm not even sure. I don't think it came from me. I think you just sort of like played around with it, and I was like, oh, this sound is really nice. Yeah, I remember we know? kind of um, jammed on it right. at my place, and you were a bit against like synthesizer sounds at first. <laughs> you were a little uh, wary of that, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, then I, I tried a few things, and we liked that. Right, so I think, I, yeah, I think I learned from it that it's not, it's not specifically the idea of like a synthesizer. It's more like, what are you going to do with it? Because like the, the first instinct was for me to think like, oh, it's going to sound electronic, you know? Sure. Like dancey kind right, of sound. Yeah, exactly. But, exactly. Or, or just like cold or hmm. something like that. And it wasn't, you know, so like Gil obviously brought a sound, you know, he, he created something that felt right, you know, it was the right texture. So like, yeah, that was like a, a nice moment where you actually just like, um, you had an idea there, you know, you brought something and then it's, well, not, always, it's, not, it's not always like me just telling you what to do, you know. Yeah. But now you trust each other. I mean that's that's such not an important yet. lesson. We're getting there. <laughs> <laughs> At least as producers or musicians. I don't. Yeah. We're just not afraid of of of, um, of speaking our minds. That's all. You know, if if I won't, if I don't like something, I would just say, yeah, I don't like that. You mm -hmm. know, it's not. We're, we're we we do not Our feelings don't get hurt by that. You know, we're just working. You know. Yeah, it takes uh, it takes a lack of ego to do that, and I would mm -hmm. never describe either of you as being egotistical. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> That's honestly true. Uh, the next uh, artist we have on the list is uh, Gillian Welsh, April the 14th, part one. Mm -hmm. I hadn't heard this track before. It's a really interesting oh. song. Yeah. Uh, well, have you heard of her? Yes. Yeah, I hadn't okay. heard this song, though. 
Oh, yeah. So it's from Revelator, which is, I think, her best-selling album. I'm not sure, but it, I think so. I love her voice. I love the fact that she tells, she's telling stories. And the fact that she's able to do so much with so little. That's actually perfect. Yeah, I loved the minimal production on it, and that's exactly what mm -hmm. I got when I was listening to this. She's a, a wonderful storyteller. Um, so here it is. This is April the 14th, part one. Stick around. More with The Secret Scene until 9 p.m. That is Sun Kill Moon here on Portland Radio Project. We're listening to tracks brought into us by The Secret Sea because we're talking about songwriting. We also have Glasses in studio with us. Um, talk to me about Sun Kill Moon. Um, I don't have a lot to say about him. I just um, I got into his music uh, in the last couple of years. And I think that, um, again, his lyrics are compelling. Um, his later stuff are more kind of like just storytelling mm. and he would not even try to make rhymes or anything that resembles like the um, traditional shape of a song you know mm. uh, he would just tell a story and like all the songs were like uh, Steve was this guy I knew that lived over there and then we <laughs> went to do this and then this happened and then just like that you know it's like the, a diary but it's yeah exactly huh. a diary but it's um <clears throat> it's captivating and it's really good. Yeah, he, yeah. He, I mean, his stories are interesting. You know, that's whatever it, whatever it is that he's singing about is interesting. Yeah, it sounds and, like it's and it, 100 percent honest and it's original. You know, because no one does that. Yeah, you know. So that's, that's true. like he's doing it. You know, so that's unique. And I like his voice. Um, mm -hmm. And I saw him live in Tel Aviv, uh, and he was very obnoxious as a person he left a very bad impression oh, no. uh, he was not nice but uh he was just it was just him w with a classical guitar playing uh full set and again it was some some sort of like uh a reminder for myself you know to like like yeah i can do this too you know hmm. i can i can also sit with my guitar and play my songs and it works you know and it was just like another kind of like way to assure myself that you know, there is a place for musicians like me in the world. I mean, there there was a place for him, so there's a place for me too, you know. We are going to hop into an exciting part of the hour coming up here, but first we're going to be playing the last selection and influence brought into us by Amit from The Secret Sea. Um, 16 Horsepower. Mm -hmm. What is this project all about? I'm not familiar with them. Uh, David Eugene Edwards. Um, I think this is his first band, and now he has a different band called Woven Hand. And um, he's very dark. It's like all the lyrics are very dark. There's a lot of um, Christianity involved there. A lot of like uh, subjects like that are somehow connected to like religion and mm. whatnot. I don't know. And um, it's like Americana kind of music okay. you know uh, a lot of banjos and accordion and acoustic guitars and he would play like this weird 
kind of like uh, he has like a, one guitar that he's playing uh, as if it's a cello, you know, stuff like weird stuff. Mm. And um, one of their albums is called Folklore, and that's where that's the the song I chose is like the first one from that album, and it's like the most acoustic one. Uh, and I just I really like the production, the the atmosphere there, the darkness of it, you know, that kind of like eerie kind of spooky vibe. Yeah. He also tells stories. Uh, he has a, a hypnotizing voice. So, yeah. Yeah, I really like this, man. I'm, I'm glad you put it on the list because mm. it was an artist I wasn't familiar with. Right. This is 16 Horsepower here on Portland Radio Project. At 16 horsepower here on Portland Radio Project, an influence of songwriters brought into us by the Secret Sea. We also have Glasses in the house, and now we're going to be listening to the entirety of Everest, which is the brand new release from the Secret Sea. It is a nine-song LP from start to finish. When did you start working on? Uh, Wouldn't this it be funny if that album like really sucked? Now, you know, <laughs> Everest? like all these influences, and then we'll hear the album and it would be like really bad. It Thank doesn't. God it's amazing. Yeah, I'm saying, <laughs> trust me, it, it doesn't. Uh, so yeah, when did you start working on Everest? You know, uh, I started. Okay, so I arrived in Portland uh, with just two songs ready for recording, and and I I had a, I booked a session to just record these two songs, and that was in Febru February, I think. Um, and and then I sort of like um, got into I don't know some sort of a phase where I, I all of a sudden I was so inspired you know I just wanted to book more sessions I, I wanted to record music with Larry again you know it was <laughs> so much fun I was like yeah I should just keep on going you know so you I didn't have a, plans to do the whole record with him no I oh. didn't have all those songs got it yeah I just had two songs and I felt like well I'm just gonna record them because I need something to do I just got here you know and most of my days were sort of empty, you know. I was just like trying to find myself again, mm. and I needed a project. I think and at first you were going to record them just solo too, right? Wasn't yeah, that right. Yeah, I was just like, okay, I'll just record guitars and vocals, and I'll see from there. It was just like a, a nice way to just start something. Yeah. Um, and yeah, well, just the experience was so nice, you know, it was so much fun to do it. And I was so happy with the results. And I was like, okay, this is really good. And I need to do something with it. Um, two songs is nice, but I can <laughs> probably write more, you know. And then I started writing songs. What were the original two songs that you had? Uh, A Place For You and Canada. A Place For You is the first song on the record. And that's the perfect starting point. So, uh, we're going to start with a place for you. And before we play that, um, go ahead and say hey, hi to Mike Burling. He's been shouting us out on the talk board. Hey, so. Mike. How are hey, you? Hey, Mike. What's up? Hit us up on the talk board right now. Let us know what you think. This is the first song off of Everest from The Secret Sea, A Place for You. not a place 
This is what they've all been telling you. You may find a purpose. You may find a friend, but you know you.
the first two tracks off of Everest, the newest release from The Secret Sea. We were just talking about Army of Souls. It has kind of become a, a fan favorite. Apparently. Yeah, it's beautiful. Thank um, you. Yeah, the production, the uh, the arrangement, everything is just very uh, haunting and intimate. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and, and I think I heard you play it first at Turn, 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 um, you know, stripped down. So to, to hear their record, the produced version is really fantastic. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think it was like the the single release or something. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I just released the song, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Uh-huh. So this song was, um, it's kind of funny because uh, A Place For You is the first song on the album and it was like, uh, it was already written when I arrived in Portland. Um, and Army of Souls was written like really towards the end of the recording process. It's like almost like probably one of the last songs to be written. And... I had no idea that it's going to become uh, such a, an important track, you know. Um, I was just fooling around with some ideas and trying stuff out, you know, and somehow I wrote it and I felt it's really different than most of my songs. Yeah. And like, usually I have a lot of lyrics, a lot of verses, Usually my songs are way more complex. And that was kind of like almost, I felt like I'm um, shooting for something else with this song. And I was almost not sure that it even belongs in the album. Like, should I even try to record this? It's just too weird. I don't know. And I'm so happy I did because it turned out really beautiful. And I, I mean, really, I wasn't aware of the potential it had when I just started it, you know. And then when we started recording it in the studio, you know, and um, it was time to record some keyboards, you know. Uh, so Gil played uh, Mellotron sounds, which is something that I love. And all of a sudden, this vibe the came in. That choir sound. That choir yeah. sound, you know. Aww. Right. And all of a sudden, this song became uh, that kind of dramatic... Um, I don't know, weird, eerie kind of thing. And, and then I realized, oh my God, I have something here, you know? And, and, and it developed from there. Um, I did some Nashville guitars there, which is just like a high-strung guitar. It's, it's like uh, something that Larry uh, suggested to do. I, I play these like um, chords on each uh, first uh, note of the bar, like brim, brim. It sounds like a harpsichord. And it's actually just like a, an acoustic guitar with only high strings on it. And um, that was something that Larry suggested to do, and that was really cool. Yeah, I've never heard of that. That's yeah. killer. Yeah, it's really nice. And 
Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm really proud of this track. Yeah, I'm happy it turned out to to be so you know, so exciting and you know moving. Let's hear it another five times. Yeah, here we yeah. go. Here's Army of Souls. So I just the, the, the whole album is just this, this track, you know. Yes. <laughs> Nine tracks, a place for you, and then eight times then eight. Army of Souls. <laughs> Army of Souls. Um, when we were filming your episode of PDX Spotlight, when you started playing the song, um, when Grace was there, and I, I apologize, I forget her drummer's name. Danny. Danny. Danny yeah, he's yeah. like he he nudged her. This is my favorite song. I was like, Ooh. me too. <laughs> um, it is. It's. It, Army of Souls is a beautiful track that just connects with people in a really honest way. Um, again, you're going to be able to see it tomorrow night. Come hang out with us at the liquor store. Uh, right now, we're moving on to the third track from Everest. This is Infatuation by The Secret Sea. Stick around. More with The Secret Sea and Glasses here on Sounds of PDX. I'm caught in the arms of infatuation.
is brighter when it gets into your dream. The morning fighter before you shut down the screen. There must be some way to spread your love around. There must be something that keeps it underground. Something you've drowned yourself. Fighter by the Secret Sea. He is also my special guest tonight, and we're hanging out with Glasses. We're talking about songwriting and also the uh, album release tomorrow night for Everest. It's the Secret Sea's latest nine-song LP, and you've been enjoying the tracks from it here in the second hour. Well, you assume that they enjoyed it. They are enjoying it. <laughs> you are enjoying it. Touché. Admit it. <laughs> so uh, I wanted to ask you something I was thinking about listening to some of your songs um, earlier today when I was building the playlist. Um, what's your method of capturing inspiration, especially having said you went through a short burst here writing a bunch of quality songs in a short amount of time? How do you manage that? Uh, first of all, I don't. It's usually, it, whenever it happens, I feel like it's a miracle. It's never obvious, you know? <laughs> and usually I go through long periods of time uh, with like no inspiration at all. And, you know, I'm not writing anything. Um, I kind of like trained myself to try and um, sort of like blur my vision in a way. Um, and I'll try to explain this. So... 
when you just sit in a room and you look at everything around you and you see everything as it is, um, nothing really comes to mind, you know? It's just, it's so, just everything is really obvious and known. But if you try and kind of like, um, sort of like blur your vision in, in a mental state, you know? I'm not talking about like, <laughs> like doing hard <laughs> drugs and like passing out. I'm just t- t- talking about like, um, do you remember those uh, 3D pictures in the 90s? Yeah, you had to relax your eyes. Right, yeah. exactly. So you got to sort of like stop looking at the picture in a regular way, kind of like lose the focus, you know? And then all of a sudden this image appears. So it was kind of like what I did when I when I wrote songs, you know? It was just like um, I was trying to stop thinking about the obvious and kind of like look, read between the lines of reality. Would you say they were, you were not chasing them, you were allowing them to come to you? Definitely. Yeah, that's powerful. Yeah, it's sort of like channeling something. Gil, mm-hmm. when you worked on um, this record, first of all, what are some of the tracks that, that we can hear you on, on Everest? Oh, I'm playing on most of them, I think. Right? Awesome. Mm-hmm. Some yeah. of them have more subtle keyboard parts. but You're not on Place for You, and that's it, I think. Huh. Oh, yeah. So uh, eight out of nine, that's not bad. No, not <laughs> so bad at all. So I wanted to ask you as, as a songwriter, like yeah. going in and working on Everest here, um, you know, what did you take away from some of the things that Amit had created? How did they inspire you to um, lay down your tracks? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, first of all, I mean, I adore his music. Like the first time I heard Amit was when I just got here and he played a house show. Uh, that was the first time I heard him live ever because I had never heard him in Israel. Um, Yeah, you don't remember? (laughs) I'm not not sure. You played at Abby's place? Oh, that one. Yeah, yeah, that was my first time hearing you live. And even though I'd never heard those songs before, like they really struck a chord with me immediately. I think his writing style is just uh, phenomenal. You know, it's like the right balance between like um, familiar yet uh, new and and captivating, you know, so it's not too like out there and you know and unrecognizable completely, but yet it has a lot of um, interesting and new elements as well that are really important to me. So, um, so you asked how it affected my own songwriting. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Like I never, I didn't consciously think about it, but I'm I'm pretty sure that his music has inspired me. I know that much, so I'm pretty sure it has affected my writing. <laughs> And now, thanks to you, he's got some synth on his album. So, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, organs and pianos yeah. and yeah, all the um, all the good stuff, cellos and kazoo and uh, kazoo and <laughs> trombone, exactly. <laughs> good vib- vibraphone, get the folks uh-huh. from Ottoman on your next <laughs> Well, we've been talking about songwriting and and kind of just our loose ideas and basic ideas and I guess personal theories about songwriting uh, because we've been enjoying what I would consider a songwriting masterpiece. The new record from The Secret Sea, Everest, is available. The record release party is tomorrow night. Come see The Secret Sea, Glasses, and Arrows in Orbit at uh, doors open at nine at the liquor store. Uh, come and hang out with us. Here are two more tracks from the record. Hit us up on the talk board. Let us know what you think. This is Canada by The Secret Sea.
My Beautiful Hell by The Secret Sea. We're listening to Everest, the brand new LP. And uh, you should be proud, man. It's such a great collection of songs. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's beautifully done. I think your production team is the right team to have with you. Obviously, the players that you worked with. Yeah, I just had so many, just like, okay, I, I was going to say so many good people, but it actually was like very few. <laughs> but uh, each one of them is just amazing at what he does. So, so let's talk about um, the live band that you're that you're forming and playing with tomorrow night. Can you give some of those players a shout out? Oh yeah, sure. So um, okay, so Gil is in the band. Obviously, that's a, we, I'm we know that already. We can skip me. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, Gil helped um, uh, to bring some some new people. So we got Eric Hickey on guitar and Rick Bavette. Right? Bouvet, yeah. Bouvet on bass. Uh, both of them are playing with Gil uh, in Joy Tribe. Yeah, a funk band I play in called yeah. Joy Tribe. Yeah. So they're playing with us. And we got uh, Jody Driffer. Driffer. Jody Driffer. Yeah, that's his last name. Uh, on drums. And also my roommate Gabby is going to be on stage for one song to sing some, some harmonies. To make dinner for it. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. What's Gabby's last name? Uh, it's she's Gabriella Carp. Okay. She actually plays uh, her own songs too. Cool, nice. You know? Yeah, it's a good little shout out. Uh, mm-hmm. So you've been playing um, a lot of these songs in a solo setting. Well, technically with Gil, I want you to, to kind of harken back to playing the songs on the tour you did um, this spring slash summer versus with them as the band now. How do you translate the difference between solo and full band? Oh well, it was actually pretty easy because what we did is just. We took the the recordings, you know, the studio version of the album, and I just told him like, "Well, just learn what I'm playing there and just do it exactly the same." <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, yeah, just copy paste it, you know, just do what you hear, you know. So it wasn't there wasn't a lot of room for 
for improvisation or actually like even creativity, there was one song that they ha ac actually had to be creative. Mm. And that was the first song, Place For You, because we don't have the pedal steel tomorrow on stage. Oh, sure. So Eric uh, and Gil kind of like, sort of like weaved this kind of um, screen of sounds and textures, you know, with the guitar and the keyboards. And it turned out amazing, in my opinion. Um, and they, I mean, I wasn't surprised at all because they're so good at what they do. Again, they're so talented. Thank uh, you. I, I definitely like told them like, yeah, this song is like, yeah, I need your talents here to actually really just think of something, you know? So um, it was pretty easy. So before you moved to Portland, you had a full band. Um, is it kind of tough to rebuild those relationships with previous that you had with previous players? You know, you knew you had to move here and find new people to play your music. Is that kind of a daunting task? Well, um, the thing is, um, first of all, the previous band, um, we were such a different group of people, like musically as well. The sound and the texture of the first draft of The Secret Sea mm -hmm. was totally different than what we're hearing now. And now when, when I got here and I wrote those songs um, for Everest, it was kind of like back to my roots, you know, just like being the, this kind of like an Elliot Smith kind of songwriter vibe, you know, mm -hmm. like me and my guitar. And I wasn't planning on uh, relying on instrumentations too much. Um, it was important to me to write songs that I can just play on my own and not be dependent on other musicians because it's just easier to be able to play alone. Hmm. And I really like the intimacy and I feel like I'm myself, you know, when I do that. And I'm, it's, it's close to my heart, this format, you know. Um, so I wasn't even planning on looking for a band. And just for the album release, it felt like, well, you know, it's, it's a good excuse to like at least do something with a band now, yeah. you know, and it'll be like um, a one-time thing or maybe not a one-time, but at least rare and special, you know, it'll give like an added value because I've been playing shows, you know, throughout the year, you know, people saw me play and it's like, okay, well, how can I kind of like interest them again, you know? So that was a good kind of reason for me to like look for a band. Yeah, that's I'm cool. so happy I did that because it, it, you know, it turned out amazing, really. Well, we're moving along here in the record. We're going to be playing the next couple tracks uh, from The Secret Seas Everest. This is Giving Up the Ghost here on Portland Radio Project.
Keeping Up the Ghost by The Secret Sea. You've been enjoying all original music here in the second hour. We've been listening to Everest, the latest LP by The Secret Sea. Next in the playlist, we have a song called Special One, and uh, you want to address some things with that. Yeah, so, um, first of all, musically, I just wanted to say that the melody and chord changes... Uh, were already written in Israel like two years ago uh, and I actually rehearsed the first band of the Secret Sea in, back in Israel uh, trying to like make a song out of it. Oh. I didn't have any words. I just had a melody and some chord changes. Uh, and we had one rehearsal trying to like learn the parts and think of what we can do with it and we dropped it and you know life happened whatever you know we didn't get to work on it again and then the band broke up because I left and that's it but I still had that composition in my head I knew I wanted to try and do something with it and then it kind of like shape-shifted into this intimate guitar and vocal thing even though originally I thought it's going to be like very orchestrated okay so that's one thing uh, and another thing and maybe even way more important is that this song so when I moved uh, to Portland I had a girlfriend and we were sort of hoping you know to kind of like uh, survive this very tough move and keep it together and I had the papers I had a visa I had all the things going for me I had a very specific goal it was pretty much like I was set out for to achieve something and mm -hmm. I had a, all the means to the end you know and um, she had basically nothing she didn't really have any of these things and it was a huge challenge and we knew that there is a, a most chances that it's not gonna survive mm -hmm. but we wanted to try and we loved each other very much and we didn't survive it uh, and eventually she returned to Israel and then I was forced to deal with it in a way by suppressing it because mm. I was so busy and like trying to get my act together here I couldn't really allow myself to sit and sulk you know so I had to just like keep it sort of like hidden from my own consciousness. Just like, mm -hmm. okay, I'm not going to think about it. I'm not going to think about it. You know, I have to like focus on other things, you know. Just stay busy. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. So like doing the, the album, by the way, was a, a, a good way for me to stay busy, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> um, but um, in the end, uh, what happened is that I actually, I took this composition that I had and I, was, I said, well, maybe I can try and write a song with this melody you know like okay maybe I'll try write some lyrics and I ended up writing a letter to my ex-girlfriend a, a goodbye letter and this is the song it's a goodbye letter to her man that's a phenomenal story thank you so much for sharing that this is a special one by the secret sea here on Portland Radio Project
Special one by The Secret Sea. We've been enjoying the LP. That is Everest all this second hour. First hour, we got to listen to Influences Brought Into Us. We've been talking about songwriting with The Secret Sea and Glasses mm-hmm. all night. And man, we have uh, listened to eight of the nine tracks, and you do have a phenomenal record. It's really great. I can't thank you enough for being here and sharing the record well, with us. Thank man. you for having us here. I mean, yeah, it's been a pleasure. And yeah, I had a great, great time. Me too. Yeah, so man. great to be here again. Uh, well, this is Luke Neal here on Sounds of PDX. Again, I've had the secret sea and glasses with me tonight. I will see you next week. Uh, we've got another great show. Until then, be good. Go listen to some live music.